You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Well, I want to start today by actually asking a bigger question, which is how are you formed as a person? What things shape your Christian walk? What sustains you as you live for Jesus? Now, I ask these big questions up front because I think the world is pushing in on us and always seeking to disciple us and shape us. Hey, live this way and it'll lead to the good life. Do this and you'll flourish. Uh, Weirdly, over summer, uh, my phone has been sending me notifications from Facebook. Bob or Jane has posted this, don't miss out. That's the tag. I, I didn't change any of my notification settings. It just started happening. So as we kind of scroll through our Facebook algorithms every day or every week, whenever you do it, Facebook is actually selling us a vision of the world. Or even Netflix, right? I don't know about you guys but and girls, uh, I am inclined to a binge session. Uh, that's because Facebook, uh, sorry, Netflix actually write their scripts so you're left on the edge of your seat so that you'll click through. Next episode. Or even things like coffee and holiday, food, wonderful microbreweries, they're all giving us a picture of the good life. Drink this, eat this. Uh, experience that and you will flourish. Uh, And many times my wife has looked at house and land packages in Armstrong Creek, especially in uh, COVID. And there's a real vision to that, isn't there? Get out of the rat race in Melbourne for a happier ever after down here, walking your dog along the beach, enjoying uh, the weather. I'm seeing a lot of nods out there as well. So what what I'm trying to say up front is we are all sold stories of the good life. We're all being shaped into worldviews that affect how we see the world. And my hope and prayer today is that we'll be thinking about Jesus and how He shapes us. We'll be thinking about the job that Jesus has given us, His disciples. And towards the end, we'll be thinking about uh, the community uh, that we're involved in and how that shapes us. So what I want to do at the start is recap what Louis said last week. He rightly encouraged us that Jesus is the resurrected King who is reigning now in heaven with all authority and power. Jesus has conquered the greatest enemy, hasn't he? That is death. He's been physically raised from the grave. And right now he is praying for us. So as we go out with this job that Jesus has to make disciples, I think we can be encouraged. Jesus can do marvellous and new works by his spirit as we proclaim the gospel. So we don't have to be discouraged. We can take gospel risks knowing that King Jesus Uh, is building his church now. Now, I want to get this stuck into my verse today. 
uh, verse 19 with some nerdy Greek. Now, this is not me just kind of champing you and showing you, you know, using these fancy technical things for the sake of it. It has its point. So uh, bear with me. Uh, The English says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. There's a command there, isn't there? Go and make disciples of all nations. Now, in the English translation, we'd probably think that the command, the thing that we've got to do is go. You know, go, start a new church on the surf coast. Go, go to the nations. But in the Greek, the command or or the imperative is actually on the making disciples. So a better translation might be, you know, as you go out, do this one thing and keep doing it. Make disciples. Form men and women, boys and girls who are on about Jesus. Walk in the way of Jesus and and call people into that. In one sense, we just become apprentices of Jesus, right? None of us have made it as disciples. We're all being formed. All of us need to be hearing Jesus speak by his word and being shaped by his grace. So it's Jesus who should be getting an influence and a say in every part of our lives. As I was saying at the start, we're all being formed, we're all being shaped in one way or another. You know, our loves are being competed for, be it entertainment or pleasure or sport or family. We are all living for someone or something. All of us are living for someone or something. So... Discipleship pretty much is letting Jesus' story influence us more and more. We're all pilgrims on a journey, aren't we? Walking in faith, seeking to be shaped by Jesus' words, being shaped by the type of God-man that he is. So uh, discipleship in the uh, ordinary things in life, in the extraordinary things of life, it's just continuing to, continuing to come to Jesus and reflect on his story and live under his great message of salvation. So uh, today I've, I've thought about the discipleship thing in two, in two ways. I think firstly it's internal and then it's outward or it's external, right? So the first thing we're doing is seeking ourselves to be formed and shaped to be more like Jesus. So we're first thinking about the internal before we think about how the gospel is good news for the world. So it's inward first and then outward. Uh, Let's start with ourselves. We come to Jesus in the big moments of life and the little moments of life. We let him have a say in our private and our public. We continually return to the gospel story over and over again. We reflect, about, we reflect about it. We sing about it. We pray over it. And we come back to it. It's the gospel message that says, we are so flawed that Jesus had to die. But we are so loved that Jesus was willing to die. So flawed and so loved. You could almost put an Instagram post up about that. So it's a disciple who who comes to Jesus in their mess and says, Jesus, forgive me, heal me, restore me. I am a desperate sinner. I need your grace. You see, I think we've lost how messy 
a disciple truly is? A follower of Jesus doesn't have it all together, do they? We're called to repent and put our trust in the Lord Jesus and repent and repent and repent often and to remind ourselves of the gospel, of how loved we are at our worst. And that is what will turn our hearts back to God and that will actually have us draw near to Him and enjoy Him afresh through the promises of the gospel. And the key here is actually repentance and faith, isn't it? That directs our hearts back to God's saving gospel. So uh, let me say again, a disciple isn't stiff-lipped, presenting their best face at church. Rather, there's somebody who sits at the foot of the cross and says, help me, Jesus, I failed again. I've rocked up to church, I'm, I'm wearing my best shirt, whatever, but the kids, oh, you should have experienced my morning, right? It's actually coming needy to Jesus. And that's where the gospel actually has its power. That's where formation happens. That is discipleship going deep where we can preach to ourselves, remind ourselves that we are loved by the living God. So I guess what I'm trying to say today and just stripping it right back, discipleship is simply walking with Jesus. It's coming back to his sphere of influence time and time again. Now, I hope that if you're checking out church for the first time today, this is the type of Christian that you meet. Somebody who is not judgmental, but is kind and meek and humble and messy. Not somebody that has it perfectly figured out, but somebody who sticks to Jesus, warts and all in the good and the bad, in the happy and the sad. We don't need to fake it, do we? We can run to Jesus, embrace and experience his tender care for us. So can I ask, is this how you see the Christian life? Needy, desperate and broken, without hope except for Jesus and his love. Because I think it's here is where the it's here where the gospel truly has power and relevance. Jesus moves from being a theoretical saviour to somebody who will heal and change you by his spirit. Moment by moment. Jesus will minister to you and welcome you in your worst moment. And that is where the gospel will become more sweeter than anything. It's where Jesus will be more beautiful than anything this world has to offer. So I think this is how we're formed, friends. As we're thinking about discipleship, as we're thinking about uh, following Jesus, it's coming back to him in our messy lives. Now, uh, let me just have a brief aside. One other thing about discipleship that I want to say, because Jesus has much to say about it. It'll be hard at times. Following Jesus will be costly. Uh, Jesus copped it and we will cop it too if we want to follow after him. Does not our Lord and Saviour say, if anyone wants to follow after me, they must take up their cross and follow me. Life won't be easy. It won't be cruisy or comfortable walking with, the, walking with Jesus. He will get in your face. He will ask you to change. There will be many sufferings. He will compete for your loves. 
He will call things out. So I have to acknowledge that it will be a real slog sometimes. But be aware that you have a heavenly Father who loves you and is shaping you to be more like His perfect Son. Not one hard moment will be wasted by your heavenly Father. Your character will be formed through the good times and the bad times. It's a bit like a renovation, right? You rip down one wall and it doesn't seem pleasant. Let's pretend you're in old Torquay and there's asbestos everywhere and you're thinking, what was I doing? Why have I even started this renovation? There's just garbage everywhere. It looks ugly. But I tell you what, when your mates come in and you get the kind of the beam up and the, and the ugly wall's been removed so that you can have an open living area, you'll be like, wow, this is such a, nice, a nicer house. Well, in the same way, God by His Spirit has come to indwell in you and He's changing you. He's renovating you. You were not what you once were. This day, you're more kind and gracious and generous than you were, were, say, before we were uh, before the coronavirus. We're changed and transformed through the gospel. All right. Uh, let's now turn and think about the external. So we've thought a bit about being formed ourselves, but now we're going to think about the world, how the gospel is good news to the world. Let me read this uh, verse again, and, and, and I want you to see the outward focus, right? Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We're to go to the nations, to speak the glorious news of the gospel. Jesus can wash away your sins. He can wash you clean. It's the cross that brings you near to God. You can be welcomed by the living God. Jesus is raised from the dead and seated in heaven now. That's the gospel. And and have a look at the verse. What happens? What's the fruit here? Well, people's lives are transformed as they're joined to God's people, the church family, through baptism. Did you notice that there? People are invited into the life of God, into knowing the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. It's incredible. Now, I'm not sure how familiar you you, you are with baptism, so let me just break it down and get into the ritual and think about it. People are dunked in water, right? Maybe it's down at Cozy Corner in a 3-4 wetsuit in the middle of winter. Maybe it's in your bathers on a glorious day like this. But there is water involved, right? Uh, Somebody dunks you into the water. Now pay attention to the symbolism, right? As you go down backwards, it represents you dying to yourself, you dying to your dreams. You turn from your self-rule and you confess your sins to God. You die. Hey, I'm messed up. Hey, I'm broken. I pretty much have ruined my life. (laughs) So as you hit the water, you go down and you come up. And and the coming up out of the water symbolises that you are rising to new life. It symbolises that you are joined to Jesus by His Spirit. As Jesus was raised from the grave, so too you will be raised from the grave one day. You're forgiven, you're embraced and welcomed in to the life of the Trinity. 
Did you notice the phrase there? Baptised into the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. We've got to slow down and think about, well, what does that actually mean? I think the life of a disciple has an incredibly Trinitarian feel and vibe about it. The one who has all authority in heaven and earth has welcomed you into his family. Jesus' Father is now your Father. Yes, you've got this good Father in heaven who loves you, who cares for you, who is watching over you. Everything that's happened and that will happen in your life has been sovereignly ordained by your heavenly Father. The Son showers you in grace. He welcomes you in your mess. What about the Spirit? What's He up to? Well, He unites you to the Son. He causes this internal revolution to happen in you. A heart of stone is turned into a fleshly heart, a beating heart, a new heart. There's this complete cleansing and renewal inside you as you trust in Jesus. A a, a new life, a, a new hope. Once you were a stranger to God, but now you are his precious Beloved child, you now belong to God. And this has happened through the glorious gospel. And it's baptism that celebrates this, doesn't it? You are embraced by the true and living God, Father, Son and Spirit. And it's this story that matters most in the whole universe. Not the stories that we're seeking to write, but the one saving gospel that invites us into the very life of God. What a story. And what a privilege it is to share this with, it, with the world, with others. Why wouldn't we want to be formed more and more into this awesome story? A story that involves joy, beauty and amazement a relationship with the Father, Son and Spirit that starts now and continues into eternity. All right, let me, let me wind up this point now. What I've been trying to say, the gospel, it's a story for those who are lost and it's a story for those who are found. It's good news for us internally as we're shaped, as we walk with Jesus and it, And the gospel message transforms the world as we take it out to share the great hope that we have. And and we very much can change people's eternal destinies. That's the job Jesus has given us. We're formed through the gospel and we need to stick with the gospel. Now, let me just make an aside about evangelism. I think my job uh, from the front about teaching and speaking on evangelism is one of the greatest challenges in preaching and teaching, and I think I've seen it done really poorly. It's easy from a verse like this to give you uh, uh, yeah, a rocket, give you a rev up, only for us to fail by Tuesday afternoon, right? Chris, I stuffed it. I was fearful of people there. I didn't speak about Jesus. I was weak. I didn't have the right explanation. These are all just personal explanations, right? So hear me say today, and I hope strongly, that we do have a job to do, to make disciples of all nations and where to go out with the beautiful news of the gospel to share how great Jesus is. 
But I think we'll only share this if we're convinced ourselves that Jesus is worth it. If we see Jesus as more beautiful than anything this world has to offer, we'll gossip about Him. If we value being known by the Father, the Son and the Spirit, we'll want to invite others into this embrace. As time goes on, we'll speak about Jesus more and more naturally, right? We'll we'll radiate His love to our family, friends and neighbours. But it's only if we've understood the gospel. Evangelism is not kind of a burden for you. It's it's a great delight and joy to invite others uh, into this treasure that we ourselves have found in the gospel. So we've got to be going deep in the love of the Father, the Son and the Spirit and having that shape us more and more. All right, I'm about two-thirds through at this point. Uh, I have one more point to, uh, to say, and that is about how discipleship happens together. Discipleship isn't, a, isn't an individual private thing. It's actually a corporate thing. The church is a gift from God to us for our formation. Discipleship is not just I, but it's, it's we. It's corporate as we live out our faith together. The Christian life is never a personal, individualised thing. We make disciples as we know each other and as we share life together. And it's the church that ought to be the place of fellowship and love and flourishing. It's a hospital for the sick. It's a place for those who don't have it together. It's a unique place where we get to speak the gospel to one another. So each Sunday or even midweek meetings, we get to remind each other of how great Jesus' love is for us. Let me tell you a story about one of my best friends. We rub each other up the wrong way. He puts up with my quickness to speak, my rashness, my catastrophizing. Hard to believe, I know, but yes. I love him through his pride and through his harsh words. And you know what? We know each other that well that we're able to grate on each other, rub each other up the wrong way. But as this happens, friends, it's a great opportunity to point each other to the grace of the gospel. Yes, last year there there may have been hurt and confession and forgiveness in this relationship, but it's a beautiful place where we're both being formed as disciples of Jesus. And I think this only happens because we're actually open with each other. We're we're vulnerable. We're needy. I know him and he knows me. As I've been saying, discipleship isn't about having your life together, but it's about coming empty-handed and needy to Jesus to receive fresh forgiveness. And we do that together, don't we? The drama of discipleship is lived out and acted in the church. And notice in verse 19 who it is that's in the church. God chooses. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I don't have a say who's here. Many ethnicities, many cultures, many languages, many different people. 
And I think there's something glorious as the rich and the poor, the smart and the dumb, the able and the disabled, the young and the old love each other well. The working class and the professional class get along, help each other. The surfer and the kook like me who hates the beach put up with each other. You see, the church ought to be a place where everyone ought to be able to find their feet and where people thrive. Sometimes it's a challenge, isn't it? And that it is hard to live together. But it's where discipleship happens as we love one another. You see, God by his spirit has given different gifts to each one of us. And each part of the body is needed. The church is lacking if people are not here. So it's for our good. And I hope you are throwing your lot into church community and where you're loved and known. We'd be lacking if that one person wasn't here at church, if they were missing. And it's, it's as Jesus says in John 13, 35, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So a question I think that has to be asked is, how are you going at loving those who are different from you here at City on a Hill, Surf Coast? How's that challenging relationship going where you need to show grace and love? It's actually put here by God for your good. Is there one thing you could do, you know, early in this new year to actually reach out to that brother or sister who's different from you? Embrace them and and point them to the love of God. And this is my prayer for you guys and girls, is that as you grow in size and depth of maturity, that, that, that love will reign, that there'll be disciples of all nations, rich and poor, cool, awkward surfers and people who hate the beach, different languages, different foods, different cultures, with not one culture dominating over the others, but everyone truly being celebrated, embraced and loved all doing life on life together, loving one another and pointing each other back to the gospel. I had an Asian Australian mate who went to university uh, and he moved to a new church. Uh, There'd be this, uh, yeah, in his childhood, uh, church would be all day, right? He'd come to the service, get there early, You'd hang around for lunch. You'd hang out in in, uh, church families' houses in the afternoon. It was one big family. So he got to this church in Melbourne and he said, why do you guys hate each other? So there was a nice cup of tea, people kind of barely getting to church even on time, and there was just this shallowness in relationships. Now, it was probably a bit rash of my friend and and, um, as time went on, as he got into a gospel community, a, a, a nighttime Bible study, he actually was able to know more people and actually go deeper in his relationships. Right, So maybe he was a bit rash, but I think the point stands. We've got to really think about how we're doing loving each other as a church family. So how, how would you assess where the culture is at right now at making disciples and doing life on life together in the surf coast? Are you known? Are you loved? you have to kind of put on the best face and, and, and present it that you have it all together? Or can you be weak, needy and vulnerable? Who is it that really knows you here at church? 
Now, I don't want to be, I don't want to be pushy here because relationships do take time, right? I get that. But, but this life-on-life life vision, is it on your radar? Is it something you're open to? I really hope it is because this is where the gospel will be good news and a transformative experience where the gospel becomes more and more beautiful to us. So I think it's actually us being on the front foot and actually being ready when something big gets dropped in conversation. You're not shocked, you're not judgy, but you say, thanks for sharing. That was really bold. Can I, can I remind you about how much Jesus loves you? Can I remind you about the grace of the Lord Jesus? It's where you go there a couple of weeks down the track and you ask that follow-up question that you don't just leave the big thing that's been dropped and never mention it again, but you're actually privately praying for the person and caring for them. That's the life-on-life life vision for discipleship that Jesus has for his church. Let me share a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, a great man of faith who stood up to Hitler in immense pressure. He said this about some forms of the church, right? A pious fellowship permits no one to be a sinner. So everyone must conceal the sin from himself and from the fellowship. We dare not be sinners. Many Christians are unthinkably horrified when a real sinner is suddenly discovered among the righteous. So we remain all alone in our sin, living lives of hypocrisy. What a shame if this was our church culture. How good is the good news of the gospel to people who are weak and needy? That's where the gospel has power. That's where it liberates us actually to be real and vulnerable with each other, warts and all. We're loved, not because of our performance in ministry, not because we have the right face and a presenting this idea that we have it together, we're loved because of what Jesus has done on the cross for us. While we were God's enemies, He died for us to bring us near, to welcome us into His family, Father, Son, and Spirit. So can I ask you, just as I wind up, will you open yourselves up more to others this year? Could be a small way, could be a big way but it's for your good as a growth, as, as you grow as a disciple of Jesus, as you're transformed to be a child of God, knowing the Father, Son, and Spirit. Let me pray for us, friends. Our Father, Son, and Spirit, uh, we thank you for the gospel. Uh, we thank you for the saving message, uh, yeah, of Jesus who rescues, um, yeah, the sick. Uh, please help us, uh, Lord, uh, front up to you uh, in honesty, in, in rawness, uh, where the gospel becomes beautiful, where, Jesus, you wash us clean af- afresh again, where we find times of intimacy and embrace with you. Uh, we pray here at City on a Hill Surf Coast that we might be real with one another, we might be vulnerable, that we might be broken and needy. And we thank you that It's the gospel that actually reminds us that we can do this. It can be liberating for us because we are loved children of God, knowing your Father Jesus as our Father and knowing Jesus, your Spirit, as our transforming Spirit. 
So we thank you, Jesus, for your grace in our moment of need. And we thank you, precious Lord, for this time together. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.